listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We have come into the second hour and we're going to do a whole host of things. But it's going to begin with Monica giving us another clue <clears throat> for the quiz. What number am I? The number of sons Noah took into the ark with him. What is your number, Monica? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. That's so awesome! You you know you get approached by some random. They're like, "Give me your number." Zero four nine one zero six nine zero six four six six nine. That's awesome! Hey, do you want to read that question for us again? What number am I? The number of sons Noah took into the ark with him. If you get this uh, right, you'll be into the draw for Friday's uh, grand prize draw, which is a copy of the Great Controversy DVD by the Fountain View Academy Orchestra and Singers. And also the Jesus at the Helm thousand piece puzzle, uh, jigsaw puzzle from the Bible Gallery collection. I'm honestly wishing I could play. <laughs> kind of well, all you is. have to do is get your friends to call up <laughs> and win the prize, which I have done before. <gasps> nah, that's Sneaky. not true. That's not true. Sneaky. That's not true. But do you know, I, it did cross my mind. I was like, I could get one of my friends to win and then I could just borrow the two items, do the jigsaw puzzle, then undo it and give it back. But I know that I've definitely encouraged my friends to play. Uh-huh. I've, I've been like, oh, you should play. And then they've ended up winning. Because oh. <laughs> it is like a random draw, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But then yeah. they've ended up winning and it was like, ah, oh, lol. And so they got some cookbooks <laughs> and then they used those cookbooks to my make My mum's won before. Oh, shout out mum. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. That wasn't rigged. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I promise it wasn't. <laughs> Again, that number zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Hey, just before we continue with the show, I wanted to touch on something that we had been thinking about and talking about over the weekend in regards to Faith FM. And in particular, it was Friday's show. And it was around this time, just a little bit after eight, Monica and I were having a discussion about cashless societies and we brought Lyle in and he shared his piece and then we were, we were sharing and we got a few text messages coming through from the listeners that said that, Hey, it sounds like you guys are arguing and that's not a good thing. And I just, we, we here at Faith FM, we, we wanted to come to you guys to apologize, um, to be accountable and just to say, Hey, yeah, the, the argumentative spirit isn't the best thing. Obviously, you know, it is profitable to consider what's going on in the world and you know though people have different opinions to discuss those opinions and faith fm we've always strived to be a station of discourse between every view and every side uh without that you know harsh firing off at each other i I know for myself personally i I love jumping on you know various sports media outlets and seeing people argue about sports and whatnot but in the house of god that's not really or in the in the in the era, in the area of talking about and considering God and considering the future. Yeah, it just shouldn't be that way. And so we apologize. And yeah, we also want to say that me and Mon are friends and we're chilling and we're living our best lives and we're, we're kicking goals. So there's no, no animosity here, but also we don't want to model to, to anyone listening to the show just to be argumentative or angry. So we just wanted to apologize and say, sorry, if we came off like that and, and uh, pray and hope that, that you guys can, can stick with us and we can get through. We are only human here at Faith FM. We are just people. So pray for us, please, uh, that we can continue our mission of sharing the gospel with Australia. Now, I have another text message here. Well, I have a first text message that is referring to what happened last week. Not that, that specifically, but just things that happened last week. It's from David Edgar, and he writes, Always have to laugh about people matching Monica and Lawson. It doesn't matter that you guys are 12 years older. It doesn't matter that you're 12 years older than him, because age is just a number on paper. So if there's chemistry, I'd say... So I say you two should just go for it. <laughs> oh my. 
It's 14 years, not 12 years. If it was only 12 years, maybe I'd consider it, but it's 14, so no. It's one year. David, what are you doing to uh, me? That's, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. Guys, I've tried, okay? I keep getting rejected, all right? So, no, I'm just joking. That's so funny. But I love it. The, the listeners are just going to keep pushing this through. Hey, we got a message from Raphael. Hey, Raphael. He says, well done, Lawson. Good study on the on Pharaoh and mm. the hardening of his heart. Pride was his main problem. The Amen. human heart will naturally fight against the truth without the Holy Spirit. Pharaoh rejected the Holy Spirit. I think... And maybe this will be an edit that I'll make to my essay before it's due at 1 p.m. But what we see clearly from the Bible, and this is something we talked about last week as well, is that uh, the decision that we are making is not Pelagian in nature. So the Pelagians were a group in the 400s, and there was a bit of a controversy um, surrounding the Pelagian and Pelagian theology, and and particularly um, regarding... Uh, Augustine's thoughts on Pelagian theology, which was like, humanity has not been tainted with the curse of sin and we have the free will to choose righteousness. It's just that we don't because we're lazy or we have a problem. But we do have the opportunity, the right, you know, we have the free will to choose not to sin. The Bible isn't necessarily communicating that we have the free will to choose not to sin in and of ourselves, that, that we are untainted by the curse of sin. We are absolutely tainted by the curse of sin. The free will that we possess is the free will to choose Jesus And because we choose Jesus, he then supplements that by the power of his Holy Spirit to enable us to actually live out the works he's calling us to do. If we try to do the works of God without the Holy Spirit, we will fail. Pelagius argued against this. Pelagius said, no, we can, we can do it. No, we can't. That's, that's the Bible. We cannot. We have no ability to. But God is wanting to give us the Holy Spirit in in order that, that we would be able to follow him and to live out that decision that we make. What do you think? What do you think, Kelvin? Well, I'm interested by what you're saying with Pharaoh because Pharaoh's heart was puffed up. Mm. And the whole thing with communion, we eat unleavened bread, which is not puffed up. And in actual fact, to prevent it from being puffed up, we pierce it with a fork. Mm. So that's part of the instructions when you make um, unleavened bread for the communion service. But Jesus Christ was pierced. Yeah. For our transgressions. Yeah. You know, and he that's was a not humility as well. Yeah. And he was the, the Bible says he was the meekest of every person that ever walked upon the face of the earth. Wow. That's so, so cool. So I've humble never thought about that. And so that. unpuffed up, if that's a word. Yeah. I should to call yeah. you before every time I preach. <laughs> I should be like, yeah, I'm talking about this, Kelvin. You got some insights, bro. You got some, I got who, some weird who and who wacky things. You have such object lessons from bread. That's incredible. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. We've got a text message here from Paula. She says, thank you, Monica, for reminding the public. Um, for, for the public to visit the elderly, uh, have a conversation with them and ask them about their journey through life. Take them for a little walk. You will receive far more than you give. When COVID hit, the catch cry was to protect our elderly, and I found that to be a false narrative, worse off now, now than ever. Nothing's changed. Long, lonely hours sitting in re- residential facilities. The staff, they're, they're often understaffed and can only do so much. Um, the f- some foot traffic facility, uh, some some foot traffic into these facilities will bring some joy to an otherwise desperate fight to find meaning to their lives. Mm. The forgotten generation, in a lot of cases, keep them in your prayers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I think <clears throat> I love old people and uh, I love hanging out with them. And um, one of my best friends is like eighty three, and we go traveling together. But um, 
I, I think one of the reasons they touch my heart is because they keenly feel loneliness. And to mm. me, loneliness is just, there's no reason anyone should be lonely. Like, there's so many of us around. We should all just be friends. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, but that being said, have you ever been in a crowded room but felt lonely? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, there's been at certain times where I've heard like people say that and I'm like, cause, cause I'm an extrovert. I'm like, Oh, you're in a crowded room. Just, just make friends with people. But simultaneously, I, I know where people are coming from. There, there are just those times where it's like, Oh, I just don't feel like I have the capacity within myself to, to, to just, you know, force my way into this social situation. Like mm-hmm. I am just, I'm just smashed. I just need someone to comfort me. And that's where like we have the blessing of church Amen. and we have the blessing of, those who are inspired by Christ to unify in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just the best. I know I've been continuously, I've been relentlessly blessed by those who profess Christianity in the church and who have just been, you know, just so amazing to me. All yeah, right. I think, I think one of the reasons why I find loneliness such a travesty is because it's such an easy fixed problem. It's a preventable issue. It's so yeah. easy fix. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have a whole sermon about this. It's called How to Make Friends. Oh. And it's all about it, essentially it's looking at the need that Christianity is, well, Christianity wins people to Christ by meeting needs. Mm -hmm. And the need that we clearly and obviously have in Australia is that of companianship. People are dying for companionship, for for friendship here in Australia. Um, And, and literally as well, seeing that, uh, you know, the highest cause of death from 18 to 34 amongst males and females, which is accounting for 35% of deaths is suicide. Yes, very sad. And it's so people are dying for companionship. And as Christianity, as Christians and using Christianity, we have the ability to meet that needs, to to give people community and to truly and wholeheartedly bless them. So let's be a blessing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. We have a text message from uh, Wayne uh, with a question. And, Wayne, we just wanted to say um, that question will be answered for you uh, in our Question of the Day show, which happens mm-hmm. at 5 p.m. on Thursday. It is hosted by Lyle, uh, who's do the breakfast show here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll plug for the Question of the Day show, 5 p.m. on Thursday afternoons. Uh, Wayne, you have a really great question about um, <clears throat> the Bible flaws, and so that will be coming up uh, this coming Thursday. So tune in. Same dial on your radio, same website you're clicking on now, whichever way you've gotten here, and uh, listen for the answer to your question. And if you have a Bible question and you want to send it in and get it answered, you can send it in and uh, and listen to the, the quad show, as we call it. Uh, just a few more text messages to finish off. We've got Raphael. He says, great insights from, from Kelvin on the finger of God. I know, such a blessing. <laughs> Sky writes in, oops, sorry, I didn't know there was such a big age gap. <laughs> Because yeah. Sky, Sky was shipping pretty hard last she, yeah, week. Yeah, she was. <laughs> yeah, she, she. And I have to say, like, <clears throat> I understand that whole saying, like, age is just a number, but I've just never agreed with that sentiment. Age is not just a number. It's so much more than a number. It's an in- indicator of, um, you know, maturity, basically. Like, that's why we that's why we mention age. It's like, oh, my baby's two years old now, which basically should tell everyone else, oh, it's at the stage where this should be happening. And we celebrate it if it happens early or we get worried if it's not happening. So it's more than a number. It's uh, it's a, it's an indicator of where people are up to in their lives, their maturity, and, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, definitely 
uh, not going to work. With yeah, my baby's crap. 48 months, you know. A <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, few more text messages here. Haha, <laughs> you can't finish a degree at Avondale without coming away with a partner. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> Thanks, Brayden. And finally, Tim says, bring in cash to society and settle the argument. We're not going to talk about that again. So, uh, no, you missed his message. He said, oh. bring in cash to society and settle the argument. Ha! Oh, okay, yeah. Ha, there we go. <laughs> Tim, come over here and say that to my face. <laughs> I'll hack you in the face. Tim, I'll send, you some, I'll send you some money for that one. Thank you. Uh, hey, you're listening, you're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and we're going to continue our Bible study in the book of Revelation. We've been looking at the three cosmic messages. And my friends, oh, I am so happy. We are going to talk about a, a new topic. Because I feel like the last couple of weeks have been really kind of laboring and talking about and considering, you know, the judgment and what it is and the Sabbath and all of those things are a blessing. You heard me last week talking about my immense love for for all of those things. But in terms of the three angels' messages, it represents the first two verses, which is fourteen Revelation 14, verse 6, Revelation 14, verse 7. We're moving on. Ooh. Revelation 14, verse 8. But before we go to Revelation 14 and verse 8, I want to go to Revelation chapter 17 and verse 14. Revelation chapter 17 and verse 14. Kelvin, would you have the ability I do. to Revelation. read that for us? So you said chapter 17, 17 verse 14. and verse 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. Mm. For he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and they that are with him are called the Chosen and Faithful. Amazing. So, what group of people is it talking about here? Who are the Chosen and Faithful? God's be- those that believe in God. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of self-explanatory. If we, if we then, if we uh, kind of you know, uh, combine this with the themes that we find in Revelation 14, particularly those of the first five verses, the 144,000. We see this group of people and they essentially represent God's people who follow him at the end of time. Now, in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 14, which we just read, what is the activity of the lamb and these people? You know, what, what, what are they doing here? They're a multitude. Well, they're, they're, they're assembling. They're assembling together. Yeah. For what purpose? Yeah. What do you What do you reckon? For what purpose are they assembling together? I know in my Bible it says these will make war. So this is talking about the previous verse. It says that there are some people who are going to make war then with these people who are assembling together to you know receive that fighting. So there is some level of conflict that is going to take place against those who are truly following God at this time. I want to talk about then, it's like, okay, if there's conflict coming against God's people, well, then we'd have to be able to identify who exactly that, that conf- who those people are and who that conflict, where that conflict is coming from. And, and looking at this verse and, and getting a, a, a true and a deep meaning as to what's actually taking place. And the first verse that's going to give us the ability to do so is actually Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 2. Would you be able to read that for us, Monica? Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 2. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 2. Coming right up, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. And it says this, I have likened the daughter of Zion to a lovely and delicate woman. Awesome. Okay, so what is Zion? That's like the city of God, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's the it's the, the well, you have Mount Zion. You know, you have Jerusalem, um, the New Jerusalem, Zion, the city of Zion, the city of God. It's essentially this word that represents throughout all ages God's people. It's like if we look at a a post second coming post, you know, the the city, the New Jerusalem, it will be referred to as Zion. But previous to this, again, he it says here he is likening the daughter of Zion. This is talking about the group of the God's people. He likens it to a lovely and a delicate woman. Um, in contrast to this, do you want to read for us Ezekiel chapter sixteen and verse thirty two? So. We have uh, we have here the daughter of Zion, then Ezekiel chapter sixteen and verse thirty-two, which says, "You are an adulterous wife who makes strangers instead who takes strangers instead of her husband." Oh, Rough. what kind of character of a, of a woman yes, is yes, this? Yeah, not a good woman. <laughs> <laughs> no. it's a cheating one. Yeah, that's that's right. That's right. Now, when he says you are an adulterous wife, the interesting thing is that he's not saying this to a woman. It, it would be, you know, be a kind of rough situation if he was saying that to his own wife or someone else's wife. He's not saying this to his wife. He's actually saying it to Israel. Oh, wow. Okay. He's saying, you are an adulterous wife. Um, and why is it that they are adulterous wife? Because you take strangers instead of her husband. Um, now, in the context of looking at, okay, if we have this illustration then that God's people are represented as a, be- a beautiful, lovely, delicate woman. Who is the husband, then, of this woman? Is the Lord. It's the Lord, yeah. yeah. In fact, the Bible calls Jesus the bridegroom of his people. Uh, it calls Jesus' second coming the wedding celebration. It's This is a common trope that's used right throughout the Bible to describe the relationship between God and his people, that his people are his his this beautiful woman, his wife, and he is their husband. Now, if it is an adulterous wife, then are they being faithful to Christ? No, that sounds like a bad relationship. Yeah, they're, they're doing the opposite of that. They are being adulterous. They're being are, unloving. That's right. They're not being faithful to each other. Absolutely. There's another, uh, there is another verse that describes this in the New Testament. Let's head to James chapter 4 and verse 4. James 4 and verse 4. It kind of gives us more information, this idea of adultery towards God. James 4 and verse 4, if you can get that for us, Kelvin. I'm just waiting for my electronics. I'm a bit slow with it. Oh, man, we need to get some paperback in this room. (laughs) Yeah, I should have brought my hard hard cover Bible. (laughs) Absolutely. James chapter 4 and verse 4. James, yep, Mm -hmm. chapter 4 Mm -hmm. and verse 4 says... Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Mm. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Okay, so engaging in worldliness, being a friend of the world. Now, you might be thinking, but, you know, as Michael Jackson and all those other famous people said, we are the world. Like, you know, (laughs) am I supposed to hate everyone? Am I supposed to hate everything that we do? Or what what kind of disposition am I supposed to have towards the world? What it's communicating here by loving the world is not necessarily that you, like... Exist inside the world. That's right. Um, But rather that you are in a position that you're completely... um, 
you are putting the ideals of worldliness above the ideals of God, essentially. The wants of the world, whether it's material gain or or fame or status, you put that above God in your life. So when it's calling you an adulterer towards God is because you consider the the praise of the world, the things that this world can offer as more important to relate to, to go after, to obtain and to spend time on rather than God himself. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It's Monday morning. <laughs> Guys, as I said when the show started, I am cooked. Uh, <laughs> I am poured out as a drink offering, guys. I am, I am wrecked. But no, I'm living my best life and I'm going to get up out of this chair and I'm going to get in my car and guess where I'm going to go? The library. So, you know, I'm truly living my best life. Hey, guys, let's have another clue for the quiz. Monica, please. This is our final clue and it goes like this. What number am I? The number of days and nights Jonah was in the belly of a great fish. Mm. Commonly thought of as a whale. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the Bible ever actually says the word whale. Oh, so the number of yeah. days and nights Jonah was in the belly of a great fish. This story as a kid always surprised me because when I heard about Jonah going into the belly of a fish, <clears throat> I always thought to myself, wouldn't you start praying when you saw that fish coming at you? Like That's when I would be like screaming for God. But no, Jonah was so pig-headed, he had to wait this number of days before he finally broke down and goes, okay, now I'll start praying. <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> I love the illustrations of this story as well because – Lot, like it makes it look like the belly of the whale is like a lounge room, you know. It's like, it's like, or he's like sitting in a tent, and I'm imagining like it could have been that big. It also could have been like he's like a, completely prostrate. It's like yeah, it's like being a in a capsule, bag. you know, like yeah. like yeah, and getting bleached from all that stomach acid. Oh. Yeah, he would have come out looking pretty pale. Yeah, that's but, yeah. Right. How, uh, how many numbers of days and nights was Jonah in the belly of the great fish? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Mm, absolutely. Hey, you're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and we are going to now look at, okay, we've seen this concept that God's people are called a beautiful, lovely woman. Those who follow God, they're like this beautiful, awesome, they're the wife of, of Jesus. You see that those who abstain from following God, they're portrayed as a, as a harlot, as an adulterous woman who puts the world above Jesus. Now, bringing this into the context of what we've been reading in the book of Revelation, what we've been studying and understanding so far, let's make a little bit more to this profile of this godly wife or woman. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17. And the first person there can read it for me. It's a race. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17. I believe I have that here. Oh, Revelation on you, Kelvin. 12, 17. Mm-hmm. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Mm. So what is the characteristics of, of this woman, of God's people here? They keep the commandments. Mm-hmm. They're goody, goody two-shoes. <laughs> <laughs> The testimony of Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. These are the people who are endeavoring to truly follow God in their life. The litmus test of such is what we've been talking about so far on our show is that they keep the commandments of God. They mirror God. Yeah, absolutely. And they have the the testimony of Jesus Christ, which the Bible would later define as the spirit of prophecy. Now, that's a study for another time. But these these people, they possess these elements that identify them as God's true people because they truly 
follow him. Now, in contrast to this, and coming back to the three angels' messages found in Revelation 14, do you guys want to read for us Revelation chapter 14 and verse 8? If you can get that for us, Monica. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Mm, There's now a title ascribed to this harlotus, you know, this unfaithful woman, what is that title? What is the name that it's given here? Mm, the name of the city. The harlot? The, the, no, the... The name of the city in Revelation. Babylon. Babylon, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. It's given a name, right? Okay, so we have a thing to identify it as. It's called Babylon. Now, we know a little bit of the history of Babylon, as it's mentioned in the Bible. We know a bunch of history about Babylon, as it was a famous Mesopotamian empire and city. We have the original Babylonian empire and then the Neo-Babylonian empire that was set up by King Nebuchadnezzar. And essentially this is recognized by most historians and theologians as being the hub and the center out of which paganism started or essentially a religion that was against God. And we can see that in biblical history with the narrative of the Tower of Babel, which comes from Babylon, it was a place, it was a tower that was erected to defy God in worship against God. And the person ascribed and credited for being one of the erectors of this tower, that being Nimrod, was actually the original God or, you know, yeah, was ascribed to be the original God of this type of paganism. He was ended up being the God of the sun. He's a builder of cities, but he established himself as the the one of the gods that they worshipped in those cities. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, then we, you know, we were talking a little bit in, in the break about the Baals and you know the different paganist gods, or quite all around the world. But essentially, that idea of sun worship over you know, the worship of the person who created the sun came out of Babel and Babylonian philosophy. And you might be thinking, oh, but that's all over the world. Well, that's the very place where everyone migrated from. This is from this area of, we, we know this scientifically from that area of Africa, Northern Africa through to the Middle East. You know, we know that everyone yeah. migrated out of this place to the various areas on earth that exist now. So, so we have this taking place, this beginning here in, in Babylon of worship that is against God. The word Babel as well. Do you guys know what the definition of the word Babel in Babylon is? Is confusion. It's it's baby speak. Yeah, that's it right. It doesn't make sense. It's literally babbling. Um, yep. But it's confusion. It is yep. it is a form of confusion, which is for me. I'm like, if you're not worshiping God, you're pretty confused. You know, if, if you can if you can see all the miracles that God has wrought, and you see Him create the earth, and da 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 da, and you're not worshiping Him, you've got something going on. It's 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 confusion. Um, we see more of this definition of Babylon. The, the, the other thing to, to highlight and to notice is Babylon, again, is ascribed to as a woman here. Let's read more about her. Revelation chapter 17, verse 1 and 2, if you can get that for us, Monica. Revelation chapter 17, verse 1 and 2. Second, I'm also loading my digital Bible. That's powerful. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto you the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Yeah, we're not going out of our way to uh, say derogatory language. This is in the Bible. Yeah. 
uh, and it's describing what this woman will be like. What is what is her action here? What is her relationship with the kings of the earth? Um, There's a financial relationship. Yeah, absolutely. She's committed fornication with them. She's committed fornication with them. And then what is happening to those kings as a result of, at the end of verse 2, committing fornication? She's getting them drunk. Yeah, she's getting them drunk with the wine of her fornication. Now, this might be subject to study tomorrow. What is the wine? What does it mean to get them drunk? Simply put, it's referring to that they are participating in and will be abiding by the doctrine, the understandings, and the thought process of Babylon itself, or a group that has turned against God in rejection of him. So we're going to be looking at this tomorrow, right throughout this week, seeing how it is that this Babylon functions, who exactly it is, and where do where do people sit if you're endeavoring to follow God, how does that make you an enemy of Babylon? And, and where do we sit in this whole controversy, this war, as we said in the beginning, taking place between God's faithful wife and the 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 the, the, the bride of Babylon as well? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you have any questions or thoughts. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And I am sitting now. I got my epic, awesome friends, Monica and Kelvin, with me. And Monica, you need to give us a f- no more clues for the quiz. No, you did this. <laughs> no, so we're not. We're not doing clues now. We're just doing answers. It is time to reveal the answer, and the answer is the number three. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the number of um, the plague of darkness on Egypt lasted three days. Mm-hmm. The, the chapter, uh, the third chapter in Daniel, that tells the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Um, even though he was summoned to curse Israel, Balaam actually blessed Israel three times. Noah took three sons into the ark with him, and Jonah spent three days and nights in the belly of a great fish before he actually started to pray and was spewed yeah, out. That's crazy. I'll, I again, that story. I'm just like, yeah, just in the capsule, you know, in that in that mm-hmm. fish's belly. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that again we've been talking about Pharaoh throughout the show today, but. Pharaoh was often met with these plagues. The plague here that's talking about the last for three days darkness, but whether it was flies or frogs or whatever it may be, God would hit Pharaoh with these plagues and almost every time Pharaoh would concede. Yeah. Pharaoh would be like, all right, I can't do this anymore. Like Moses, Aaron, I've sinned against God. Please, you know, get God to relent from sending plagues, please. Like this is, this is gnarly. I'll let the people go. And then the Bible says God would stop sending the plague and then it would say Pharaoh would harden his heart with the switch and then just continue to hold on to the people, which showed me, you know, often we ask, man, why are bad things happening in my life? Aye. And the, the answers that some people give, uh, you know, oh, this could be, well, for, for predeterminists, they would say, well, people who believe in predestination, it's like, oh, everything's been ordained by God and it doesn't matter if things are good or bad. All things work together for good. Some people see um, bad things as, you know, just a, a, you know, as punishment for unfaithfulness, say, which you could view that, you could view it as that. But what I see is that it's the, as sinful people who have sin inside of us, it is almost necessary that we understand the terribleness of sin, 
so that we would turn to God. Now, I'm not preaching yin and yang here. Mm. I think that it's the goodness of God that actually compels us to follow him. But it's the goodness of God in comparison to the evil and the terribleness that exists in this world that does a lot to turn us to him. And I can view this in my own life. I'm like, what was my life like before I turned to Jesus? And what is my life like when I don't follow Jesus even now? You know, when I choose myself or the world over Jesus, what is my life like? Oh, it's terrible. It's like choosing God makes life better. And it's often when we choose to do the wrong thing, um, the bad thing is inflicted to us. Now, in the case of, you know, Pharaoh was very direct and obvious that God was sending those bad things as a result of what Pharaoh had done. But often we end up in those situations of bad things. It's consequence. It's, it's a yeah. natural consequence. Does that teach us of what Pharaoh was like? Was he a wave tossed in the ocean? He couldn't make up his mind and stick with it? Yeah, like, absolutely. You set a rudder on a ship and you've got a sail and hold that rudder to get to your destination. Yeah. When you change, you go off course. That's right. Was that Pharaoh? When Pharaoh chose, like Pharaoh, obviously, he was in a position where he was forced, right, to, you could say, from the outside, again, and we've been talking about it, God doesn't supernaturally change his will, but from the outside, he's like, all right, fine, I'll let the people go. I just, you know, I don't want to die. But then as soon as that condition relents, mm-hmm. that is the time in which we need Jesus to actually change our hearts to continue to make that decision. Someone going to jail is probably not going to murder anyone anymore, right? <laughs> They're gonna, if someone goes to jail and then gets released from jail, maybe it's a life sentence, unless they're like an absolute psycho serial killer. They're probably going to stop murdering people because they don't want to go to jail to, again or commit tax fraud or, or whatever it may be. But is that genuine repentance, just being scared of the consequences? What God is seeking for us is to choose to make those decisions to follow him and to do his will because we have a relationship with him. And that's the work that he wants to do in our heart. And that's the work that Pharaoh could have received if he had decided, okay, you know, the conditions have relented. You know, the the wind has settled. I now want to choose to follow Jesus. But instead of that, Pharaoh says, no, I'm going to continue to enslave the people. And that led to his eventual downfall and death. Are we like that? Are we just going to God in the bad times but turning away from him in the good times? We don't want to be, but sometimes we are. Sometimes we are, but that reminds us, hey, I need Jesus all the time. No matter whether things are good or bad, no whether I'm full or hungry, I can do all things through Christ. And remember, as you go through this day, God loves you. He cares about you. The finger of God can be observed in the world around us. We can see his evidence clearly as... As Kelvin was saying, but guys, remember as you walk through this day to talk faith, to live faith, and to act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ.
when I don't understand. I have a father. I have a father. I have a father. I have a father. Who cares? I have a father. Who cares? I cannot take a cloud or send it in the sky. I cannot love humanity so much that I will die. I cannot name the stars or count the grains of sand. But I have a father. I have a father who can. Now he sits high. He sits high. And he looks so low. And he guides my feet wherever I go. When I don't understand, when I don't understand, I have a father. 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 Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.